Hey there, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. On this podcast, we go in depth with leading experts from all walks of life to understand and improve your health and well being. The transition to perimenopause and menopause is not always a smooth one. So I'm talking with my favorite expert, Dr. Lakeisha Webb McMillan, to answer all the questions. Dr. Lakeisha is as hilarious and relatable as she is smart. She's a well-loved OBGYN with over 15 years experience. She's also an educator, speaker, podcaster, and author of the best-selling book, The Other PMS, The Survival Guide to Perimenopause and Menopause. Dr. Lakeisha's goal is to help you thrive through menopause and have fun doing it. So it was an absolute pleasure to have her on today as we discuss what this transition is, common symptoms, and even hormone therapy. Here's a clip from today's conversation. I used to be able to know what to do to lose the five pounds. I do that and now it's laughing at me. I used to be able to eat all that. And so this is around that time where all of these things start happening because you get this domino effect. Mainly, it's usually testosterone and progesterone that usually are the ones that start falling. And so testosterone, it has so many different jobs, is what I say. A lot of people think, oh, testosterone is just for men or testosterone is just for the sex drive or libido. No, no, no. Testosterone helps with our mood. It helps with motivation. It helps with focus. So it's a lot of brain stuff, okay? It also helps with sleep patterns at certain points in the sleep cycle. It also helps us to be able to do what we used to do for the weight and see the results. So it helps to make that lean muscle mass. And you know, lean muscle is more metabolically active at rest than that fat that we start putting on, right? That's just a small taste of the amazing show we have for you today. Hey, before we get started, I wanna talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that of course is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. And if you're an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you are placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health, and Rupa is the best way to order, manage, and track results from over 25 different labs in one single place. Thank goodness, no need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. So if you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create a free account today. Now, let's get on with the show. Dr. Lakeisha, thank you so much for coming on the Root Cause Medicine podcast. I always love talking to you. It is my pleasure to always have a conversation with you, Dr. Carey. I really enjoy my times that we come together and have this opportunity to talk about women's health in this particular type of forum. Well, I love having you on because first of all, you're funny as all get out and you really just make it usable and approachable and relatable for women, especially as they're going through perimenopause and menopause, because it's a tough transition. (laughs) Like, let's be real. Yes, it can be. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it can. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes I, I say that women feel like they woke up and they missed a memo. It's like, wait a minute. Did I was I not on the email chain? I mean, what happened? They feel literally like they woke up one day and they don't recognize the body they're in. Yes. And it's just like this slap in the face, kind of like Matt truck ran you over type of moment. And then you don't have the tools to figure it out. And that's where I love being able to do what I do because I want to give actionable tools that you can feel like, okay, I got the reins back now. I can do this and I'm not by myself and I'm not crazy. (laughs) <laughs> the crazy is the big one because we all, we've all experienced that. Am I crazy? Yes. Am I, yes. Is yes. This, what's happening to me? Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. So, well, before we go further, for those who don't know you, mm-hmm. can you let the listeners know who you are, what you do, what your background is, what you stand for so that they know what they're about to listen to? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So I grew up in Alabama. I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. I was blessed to be in a two-parent household and my parents were both educators. 
So as you can imagine, education was a big deal in our household, right? My dad was elementary school. He was a principal in the city school system. And my mother worked at the college level. So we had this array, right? (laughs) We had the spectrum. And my brother and I would often joke, and we still joke to this day about how daddy was our biggest cheerleader and mommy was our coach, right? So to explain it better, it's like we'd run into the house and say, I want to go to the moon. And he'd go, yes, you can do it. Awesome. Yes. And our mother would pull out the pen and paper and go, okay, what's the SOP? I need to know how we're doing this. What are all the steps? Do you have all the materials? I mean, and if we don't have the materials, what are the alternatives? So that's the way we kind of grew up. And by the time I was around 12 years old, I remember my mother actually was volunteering in a community center and she was helping women that were that were pregnant at the time. And they were talking about birth and, and how to, what to expect kind of. And she had this videotape. You all remember the videotapes, the VHS? The VHS. Yes. <laughs> and it was the miracle of life. Yes. And I popped that in and I'm sitting there on our couch in our den and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm just captivated. And I was just like, I want to do that. Like, that's really cool. I was like, oh my gosh. And so I, at the age of 12, seventh grade, around seventh grade there, and I declared, I want to be a doctor and I want to be a doctor that delivers babies. And my parents were like, okay, we're educators. We don't know what that, we have no idea about that. So you better find yourself around a doctor and figure out if this is really what you want to do. And so from the time I was around 13 years old till I went to medical school, I was a part of a practice in Huntsville and that doctor actually ended up going to his alma mater, Loma Linda University. He allowed me to see every aspect of his practice, even going on rounds with him when I was in college. Wow. So I really was like, okay, yes, this is what I want to do. And so if someone were to see my highlight reel, I call it, you know what I mean? It's the, oh yes, just the, the highlights, right? Just the, oh, she went to, she graduated high honors in high school. Oh, she got the scholarship to college. Oh my goodness. She graduated honors from college. She got accepted into an early selection program for medical school and started going to medical school after her junior year in college. Oh my goodness. Wow. She got reacquainted with the college classmate and now they have two kids, a dog, and it's almost 20 years later. My goodness gracious. It would be like, oh, check, 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 checking off all the things. But can I be transparent? <laughs> yes, always. Okay, so if I could be transparent, I want to share with y'all. I want to share my real story with y'all. And there are dates in our lives that we will never, ever forget, right? And that day is February 24th, 2010. And it's around one o'clock in the morning and the phone rings, which is not unusual because I was a doctor at the time. I mean, I'm still a doctor. I was actually delivering babies at the time. And so your pager going off or your phone going off, but it was my brother and he is in tears trying to choke past the, out the words, she's not going to make it. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? And he's like, granny, it's granny. She's not going to make it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because she had just talked to me my way home from the hospital that day. It was one of those rare occasions where she called me. He's like, baby, I, you know, I never know when it's a good time to call you. I'm just taking a shot in the dark. But, you know, how are things going? How's the baby? At this time, we had our oldest. And I'm just talking to her, talking, talking, talking. But she had complications from congestive heart failure later on that night. Mm. And she died in the hospital. Mm. And as we are eulogizing her and then we go to her interment, I'm looking two plots down at my father's Mm. grave and saying, oh, my goodness, can't the Lord just have mercy on our family? Because it's only been 10 months since he passed. The grass hasn't even grown over his grave yet. And now we're burying another person in our family. And our family was very, very, very close. And so now I am just in free fall. I mean, if that is, that's the best way I can explain, just free fall. I don't like my patients anymore. My pager's going off and I'm like, what? What do you want? 
I'm now a cordial roommate with my husband. And y'all, he's kind of cute. I like him, y'all. He is. I've seen seen pictures. Okay. 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 (laughs) And I'm just like, I'm going through the motions and my body is starting to take a hit. I remember Dr. Carey sitting on labor and delivery one night and my blood pressure was 160 over 110. Oh, that's not good for the listeners. (laughs) Not, Not good. The nurses were like, do you need to go to the ER? Like, do you, can, are you okay? Like, do we need to put EKG paddles, you know, pads on you? Make sure you're not in any rhythm. Are you okay? And this is where I, other changes, like I wasn't getting good sleep. I was gaining weight, didn't know why. I mean, dragging to the finish line of every day. And this is when I decided to take a step back and go, okay, You got to do the whole physician heal thyself first before you can help anybody else. Absolutely. And this is when I started diving more into the world of integrative medicine or functional medicine, as some people would call it. And I probably was already there because Loma Linda's motto is to make man whole. So the way that they teach is always mind, body, spirit connection. And so you're constantly looking at the entire person. So this wasn't a big leap for me. It was a time for me to take a step back and go, okay, how are you going to walk in life now? And so I went to therapy, amen for therapy, right? (laughs) I started peeling back these layers and I realized that education was at the core of my being and a love. And so I was able to take a step and go, you know what? I'm going to deliver my genius to the world in a different way. And so now I'm Dr. Lakeisha. I'm an integrative gynecologist, a hormone specialist, speaker, best-selling author. And I help ambitious women like you who are struggling with depleting hormones, get their hormones balanced, regain mental sharpness, have energy to last the entire day, and remember just how beautiful and vital we all are. You know, every single listener is like, well, sign me the hell up. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yes, yes. So I love this conversation. So you're going to have to tap me on the shoulder and go time out. We're done. (laughs) The wall has reached its minutes. So just let me know when we have to close down this conversation, because, y'all, I will stay here and talk to Dr. Carey for a while. Forever. Well, it's a really important conversation to have. And you and I have talked about this a lot. So I'm excited to talk today because the area in a woman's life we want to focus on is that perimenopause, menopause, where so many women get blindsided and so many women go, I used to, right? I used to sleep well. I used to have great mood. I used to be at whatever weight. And now, now I'm gaining weight. Now I can't sleep. Now I feel moody, et cetera, et cetera. What's happening to me? So let's start at the beginning. Oh my God. What is this? What is perimenopause and how is this different from menopause? Oh, great question. So starting at the beginning, I love that because I love making, having a foundation. Let's build this foundation. So let's build up. So perimenopause has come to the definition of that is that there is a time before menopause or around peri around menopause. Now, this is the trick, ladies. So this can happen 10 years to 15 years before menopause. So you can be in this phase of life for a very long time. And then menopause book definition is just 12 consecutive months. They have to be consecutive months without a period. That's the book definition. Because if you go 12 consecutive months and you have a period, 12 consecutive months, no hormone therapy, nothing else endogenous, exogenous going on, and you have a period, we need to really rule out endometrial cancer. That's just point blank. So I have women that come to me and go, I haven't had a period in six months. I'm in menopause. No, no, my dear. Not yet. Not yet. Keep, keep counting. Oh, I haven't had a period in nine months. I must be in menopause. No, I can't say that yet. Oh, I, I haven't had a period in 11 months, 11 months. And I'm almost at the finish line. And then Murphy's law. Exactly. <laughs> Start that clock all over again. And so I feel for women, I feel for us when this happens, because we're just, there's some of us that are excited about this. It's like, yes, I don't have to deal with this anymore. And then there's some that are, that actually grieve the loss of their periods. And, and I 
feel for them and I sit with them on the floor of that type of experience and say, okay, what are we going to do to help you get through this? But yes, basic definitions carry around. And this is also the time where certain hormones start dropping, where certain hormones stop going as high as they used to. And then there's this domino effect that starts happening. And so those are some basic definitions. I know we'll probably get into a lot of the signs, symptoms and how how it feels, but that's kind of the basic definition. Actually, let's go right into that. So somebody's listening to this and she's like, okay, what age is that? And what symptoms should I be on the lookout for? Oh my goodness. So age wise, we know that it can be around late thirties, but it's usually early forties. So usually around 40, 41 trust. So again, I'm going to be transparent with y'all today. So Dr. Carey already gave me permission. 100%. So it was around 41 when all this stuff just started coming in on me, right? And I went and got my labs done and I had no measurable testosterone. I did same <laughs> labs at the time. Nothing. It said less than the reference range. I was just like, oh my gosh. And my DHEA was like 37. So I was like, no wonder I feel like I'm walking sideways through the world, right? Because I was just shot. I mean, my sex hormones were gone. My adrenals had been in high alert so long. They were just like, oh, we can't do anymore. They just suckered out. And so this is around the time that I start seeing my ladies, right? It's around Mm -hmm. the early 40s. They're like, I love that that phrase that you said, it's the time of I used to's. <laughs> it's, I'm going to start using, I'm going to take that one. Please take it. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to be able to know what to do to lose the five pounds. Yes. I do that and now it's laughing at me. I used to be able to, it, all that. And so this is around that time where all of these things start happening because you get this domino effect. Mainly, it's usually testosterone and progesterone that usually are the ones that start falling. And so testosterone, it has so many different jobs, is what I say. A lot of people think, oh, testosterone is just for men or testosterone is just for the sex drive or libido. No, no, no. Testosterone helps with our mood. It helps with motivation. It helps with focus. So it's a lot of brain stuff. Okay. It also helps with sleep patterns at certain points in the sleep cycle. It also helps us to be able to do what we used to do for the weight and see the results. So it helps to make that lean muscle mass. And you know, lean muscle is more metabolically active at rest than that fat that we start putting on, right? So these are the things that start happening in perimenopause. A lot of times the big one is the sleep. It's just like, oh my gosh, my brain either pops, pops on, pops on in the middle of the night, or I just can't wind it down. I can't turn it off. Those are the either, you know, those, one of those two extremes. And so usually that sometimes is the progesterone part of things going awry. And so I start, you know, I have to go through and I have to kind of tease out which one is it? Is it that you can't fall asleep, can't stay asleep, or is it a combination of both? And then they're like, oh my goodness, you know, it's a combination of both. So then we have to tweak various different pathways. So that's one of the things. Some of the symptoms too can be your patience. I call it the elasticity in your rubber band. So I go, has the elasticity in your rubber band like gone away? You know, that ability to bounce back when there is a stress. So say the stressors in your environment haven't changed but you just don't have it anymore to deal with them. And a lot of times when I say that, they're just like, okay, do you have cameras in my house? Like what? (laughs) My gosh, you're totally describing everything. And so this is where you start seeing, this is where women feel like they're crazy because they don't feel like anything was different. Like they feel like, oh, I'm still going to work. I'm still helping the family. I'm still doing all the things I was used to doing, but something changed, something shifted. So for instance, some women can't get to work on time anymore. And so they start getting in trouble at work because, oh my gosh, I can't do what I used to do and get there on time. Well, because your sleep was interrupted, because you didn't have good sleep. So when you woke up, your cortisol wasn't where it was, where it should be. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have the right fuel on board to actually even start and get through your day. Or you get to work and you're so flustered and you're so frustrated 
and you used to run that meeting, that whatever meeting, whatever committee you were over, and you go to look at the report and it looks like Greek. And you're just like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Okay, I used to be able to run these things off the tip of my tongue and now I'm trying to find my words. I have word salad in my head and I just can't put it together. And so these are some of those big symptoms of perimenopause. And they do go on into menopause and usually more so in menopause, women kind of go, oh, well, you just, this is just, this is, is what it is. Welcome to the club. Oh, your joints hurt? That's supposed to be. That's another thing that happens in perimenopause. You start having these aches and pain. And we just thought, oh, you're just getting old. What we're realizing is that your hormones are decreasing and depleting. And they had certain purposes. They had anti-inflammatory properties. And now you don't have these things on board. And so now this is how it looks. This is how it presents on a daily basis. And then as you go into menopause, sometimes it just gets exacerbated because the levels are really gone. Right. I mean, the ovaries have just said, you know what? We're not listening to the brain anymore. We're done. FSH? What? Huh? No. Mm -mm, mm -mm, No. (laughs) Immediately no. Immediately no. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So those are some of the big ones that I hear. But there's so many symptoms. I have one person that I follow and she's in a menopausal space and she talks about over like 35 or 40 different symptoms. I have another person. They're like, oh no, we've found over 85 symptoms. And so when you look at them, everybody's like, well, my goodness, that's just getting old. Well, let's say it's not just getting old. It's actually a deficiency or a depletion that is now causing these symptoms. And now we need to do something about it. Yeah. Absolutely. The brain fog is a funny, well, the brain fog and the sleep, I'll tell you. So when I, I'll be 45 in June. Okay. And when I was younger, I would have my patients who were going through perimenopause and they would go, you just wait. You just wait on your 40th birthday or what, you know, your 45th birthday, you're going to stop sleeping on your, I had this amazing patient on my 43rd birthday. I just stopped remembering. And I was like, what does that mean? Well, now that I'm in my early 40s, what, two years ago, so I was 42, headed into 43, it started to happen to me. I'm smart. You're smart. I, we have advanced degrees. I would turn to my husband and go, what's wrong? I have my doctorate and master's and I don't know why I'm in the room. Yes. I don't know why I just pulled out my phone. Yes. I have yes. my pencil in my yes. hand. I don't know what I was going to write down. Yes. Or I would get mad at my husband because I go, you know what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm talking about. The thing, the thing. And he's just like, what thing? You crazy lady. Right. <laughs> the hell? I'm like, you know, because I see it in my head. I mm-hmm. see the image, mm-hmm. but the world, it just would not come. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is wrong with me? And that's what happens. A lot of women and men, even when their testosterone starts going down too, start feeling that they have early dementia. Yeah. Or early Alzheimer's. Let's not say dementia because there, it, there are studies showing that estrogen and testosterone do play a role in decreasing that risk for dementia. And dementia is that big word. It's kind of a broad umbrella. Then there's dementias of certain types. You're right. Well, a lot of people think, oh my goodness, am I getting Alzheimer's? Like, what, what's the problem? And so when I now, like you, I'm like, oh, it's not Alzheimer's. It's testosterone deficiency. Right. <laughs> yes. It's testosterone deficiency syndrome. Like that's, that's like the big deal. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. Or it could be certain things, certain dysfunction of the thyroid even, because we know that T4 really does help in the brain with making sure that we have that good, clear brain function as well. Yeah. And so, yes, I think that's a big one, especially for these women that are high power, high functioning. They have been running C-suites and then all of a sudden they get blindsided. Yeah. And this is where we have to educate not only the women, but those that are in their sphere, because now jobs really should be mindful of this particular transition and how they can be supportive of women that are going through this because women that are have been in your institution for a while, they have institutional wisdom with them. And if you start just saying, oh, well, we'll replace you, you have to remember now I am getting rid of some of my institutional wisdom and my company will suffer for this loss. Here, here. Absolutely. So 
that is that's my other big thing is that when I talk to corporations, when I talk to people that have those type of jobs or HR departments or things like that, I say, make sure this is not just a get your act together conversation with your employees. I had one patient who she had discovered bioidenticals and she was in HR and she was just like, oh my goodness, this has just saved me. But somehow she did not transfer that compassion to the employees. And she was just like, they need to get their act together. Like she just needs to go and find some hormones. And she, and I was just like, well, what can you put in place? Because everybody can't do hormones or don't choose to do them. But there are other things we can do to be supportive of our bodies. But we need to have some type of grace in place communal <laughs> for yeah. your small community, which is your family, the bigger community who you serve and even, you know, on jobs. So that was my little side street, I guess. Sorry. Which is actually, I think, really super important, especially as a lot of women don't know what perimenopause is. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's happening to them. It was never talked about. They didn't learn about it in school. Their mom or their aunties or their older sister, like nobody said anything to them. No. And now they no. are trying to run big jobs, big positions, big titles, big teams going, OMG, what's wrong with me? Right, right. What is, 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 is something wrong with me? And they get very scared about worst case scenario when in fact it's hormone depletion. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And I've had women that when I've gotten their hormones balanced and they get that first good night of sleep, Mm -hmm. they come back and they go, where were you like years ago? Like, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I remember my own experience when I got my first testosterone, when my levels got back to normal. And I remember waking up going, did I miss something? Like what happened overnight? Like did, okay, did the kids come? Did you get up? I mean, like, is everybody okay? And I remember waking up refreshed, like, huh? Yeah. This can still be accomplished. And then getting to the end of the day and not feeling like you just want to crawl under the covers, like you still can go and say, okay, does anybody need my help? Do you guys need anything? Okay. What are we doing? How are we finishing out the day? Okay. Dinner, every, and not being like, just everybody get to bed. (laughs) It's a really, it is a really empowering feeling when you get those reins back and when you go, okay. My body is different because this is where I change terminology because a lot of, because technically the textbooks will tell you that after you've gone the 12 months of no period, you are now postmenopausal. And I don't necessarily like using that term because women feel they're going back to something. Oh, I'm done with this. So now my body's through with that. So it's going to go back. Mm. It's different. Just like when you were in adolescence and you started your cycle, your body's different. You're not going back to anything. And so I just say you're in this menopausal phase of life. Yeah. So you just have to learn how this body responds because it's so different, even down to exercising. Like I get a lot of women that come to me and say, oh my goodness. So that thing of, I used to know exactly what to do when I gained those five pounds. All I needed to do was this amount of cardio, this amount of weights, blah, blah, blah. And now I can't do anything. Now it won't budge. Well, your body's different. Your hormones are different. And so your body responds to different stressors differently. Even though it's a good stress, your body's going to respond to it differently. And so I had to learn to stop doing the hard, the hit, all what I used to do in college in early adulthood. And now I have to do my yoga and my Pilates and don't sleep on those. They are serious. And my body responds. I mean, literally, I'm like, oh. Who knew? Right, there's that waistline again. Okay, all right. Okay, I I can put that on again. I can put that outfit on again, right? Yeah. And that is one of those things that I've had to help women understand too, is that you, it's a whole mindset shift. It's really a whole mindset. And I think I heard this quote years ago, but if the average woman goes through menopause in their forties or fifties, but they live until their seventies, eighties, nineties, a hundred, that means you're going to be in a menopausal state Mm -hmm. 30, 40, 
maybe 50 years. And so the average quote is women spend about a third of their life menopausal. And we are so focused on the younger years, the reproductive years, that it's, I love these conversations because if somebody's listening that first of all, life does not die once they become menopausal, Mm -hmm. there's a lot you can do, which we're going to talk about. And in three, you're going to live in this menopausal state for a while. Mm. So let's, you're not crazy and let's make the absolute best of it. Absolutely. I love that this part of the conversation, because You're exactly right. We have to be able to have what we need on board so that we can live these next decades because we're talking decades now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be around. And I mean, I've heard some people say, oh, I'm going to be around till I'm 100. And, you know, my my mother also, she tells me all the time, she's like, y'all not getting rid of me yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, you, you know, your mother, mm-hmm. you know, and she's listening to me and she's learning what I'm learning. And she's like, I wish I had known. I mean, she was pretty progressive for her time, but of course it was to a point. Yeah. It was to just whatever knowledge they had. And now I really would, now I look back on some of the challenges that she and my grandmother had. And I'm like, oh, wow. If they only had, if they only had. Because now I'm looking at the cardiovascular complications that my grandmother had. And she was in, I remember her standing in the kitchen at times, just pouring with sweat, just break into a sweat. And it'd be like the whole, oh, what's going on with Grant? Oh, you know, Grant's just going through the change. And that's about, that's about it. And now we know that bioidenticals, especially estradiol can be very beneficial for cardiovascular health and and even testosterone. So we can, we can get. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so we, I mean, we've talked, we've, you've mentioned estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol, et cetera. So I want to transition into now, what can we do? Like, how can we help people listening or like, that's me, that's me. Check, check, check. I got that. Mm-hmm. They're listening to this sweating. They're listening to this as they're taking their cardigan off for the 10th time because right. they've put it on, put it off, put it on, put it off. So what first I want to start with, and I don't mean to start negative because I then want to quickly turn it positive. In your experience, what are some key things that you see making women's perimenopause and menopause worse? Like whether it's diet or lifestyle, toxins, alcohol, stress, whatever. When they come into you, what have you noticed over the years where you're like, oh, over and over and over again, this isn't helping you? Stress, Mm. number one. And I believe I was on another podcast, oh, months and months ago. And both of us had like this epiphany. (laughs) We were talking and she said, do you think that women's perimenopause and menopause is worse because of the stress that we are under? That's different from, say, our mothers, our grandmothers. And I was just like, yeah, I think the stressors that we deal with are slamming us into perimenopause and menopause instead of us gliding into it. So, for instance, what do I mean by this? A lot of us are the sandwich generation. So, we have our children, we have our parents. And then we had this big pandemic that turned everything on its head. And we were just like, okay, what do we do? And so our adrenals, our stress pathway went into ping high alert. Now, bar the pandemic, that's been happening anyway. So I tell my ladies, think of it this way. I live in Maryland. And so we have this thing called the Beltway, right? And it's a mess. (laughs) It just is a mess. And I said, imagine yourself on the Beltway and you're going along, you're going along. And that car next to you starts swerving to get into your lane because you're in their blind spot. And you swerve, they swerve. Oh, y'all missed that near miss accident. And you know that flare that you get in your chest and goes up from your stomach. You're like, whoo. And you get the little micro tremors of the hands. I'm like, that's the adrenals doing what they were supposed to do. They dumped all those stress hormones so that you could focus, you could do the skeletal muscle, what you needed to do movement that you could make the right calculations, everything. Okay, now it's like trying to recover. Now imagine every single thing in your life is that near car miss. Imagine now, okay, the kids calling, oh, mommy, I need this. (laughs) The boss, this project needs to be done. And so you're going to have to work a little extra. That family member that gets on your nerves, 
that everything now becomes that accident. And now the adrenals are like on high alert. And when the adrenals are high alert, they hijack the system and they take over. So they shut down the sex pathway because it's like, why have sex, have fun, reproduce? No, 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 no. We don't need to bring another person into this mess. So absolutely not. And so now we are chewing through our reserves because not only are we now continuing to dump these stress hormones, but you have all these other what they're called micronutrients that are needed to support these pathways and these reactions in the body. Because we're a bunch of just reactions, we're a bunch of biochemical reactions. And you have these little micronutrients that actually help them to go along. I remember sitting in biochemistry class and he's writing out an equation on the board and he says, yeah, and there's these little things. We're not quite sure what they are, but they, they help the reaction go along. Well, they're vitamins, micronutrients, phytonutrients, minerals. I mean, they, so you're chewing through all of this and you wonder why you get to the end of the day and you're wired but tired. And so this is what's happening. I see stress. I see trauma. Those two. And so I have started taking a trauma history with my ladies. Good for you. Because I help them because I'm like, look here, we can do all this wonderful work, but we'll be here right back here. Same time, same station next year. If we don't deal with some of these underlining causes, I love this root cause medicine because it'll be this smoldering little fire underneath the surface and we'll just put a blanket over it. And then it'll, it'll burn through that blanket. Then we'll put another blanket over it, burn through that. So we really have to address trauma and stress. And everybody's stress is different. And this is the other thing. I tell us and I, even myself, your stress is different from my stress. It looks different. And just because it looks different doesn't mean it's not stress. Yeah. And I think we get into this one-upsmanship. Well, I have to take care of this and this and this and this and this. And, and, and I have to do, and I have to go, take care of mama. I have to take care of the kids. I have to take care of the church family. I have to take care of the job. I have to, well, these are all the things I have to do. And so if we can wear this badge or wear this big S, the superwoman S on our chest, I must be doing good, but you're drinking two, three glasses of wine every night to try and get to sleep. And so as we get older and our alcohol dehydrogenase isn't working anymore, our liver's not breaking things down, you're really not getting good rest. And so then you wonder why you wake up the next morning and you're dragging for two or three days instead of, okay, I used to pop up, I used to wake up. And so these are the things that I see is really being impactful with women going into perimenopause and menopause. And until they start getting the right people on their own healthcare team, it's going to be a rocky road. I absolutely love that answer. That was probably the best answer I have ever heard. And I think everyone goes right to what herb can I take or what hormone replacement therapy can I take, which is fine too, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if you aren't looking at these big things that we as humans, we as women, we as superwomen are brushing under the rug, putting under that blanket, trying to ignore it. Well, I used to, I used to drink two to three glasses of wine a night, right? Like, well, I've handled my trauma this long. I don't I don't see why in the transition it should be a problem, the, the perimenopausal transition. I don't have a choice. I have to deal with this stress. I have to volunteer for this. I have to do this. I have to say yes. And then boy, does it bite us in the ass. Oh, all the time, all the time. And and it's almost like we never learn our lesson. And until we learn those lessons, we're going, like I said, you're going to stay in the loop. You're going to stay in the loop. Yeah. And I had to do some of that work myself. That's why I can speak about it so passionately because I'm in this with my, I'm in this with y'all. I'm doing the same work I tell you. I see my therapist every other week on Monday morning, eight o'clock. I am present in the Zoom room and accounted for, right? (laughs) Yeah, I see mine tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, okay. Because as a human being, there's only so much that you can put on your shoulders, your emotional shoulders, your physical shoulders, your financial shoulders, all the things, we, as we say. And so if you're going to be able to give to your community as you feel that you have to give, 
and your cup is empty, what are you giving? What are you giving? Nothing. You're giving nothing. I had to start taking, I had to start putting myself on the calendar. And I tell my patients to do that too. Make a non-negotiable appointment for yourself. Just like a meeting, just as if you had to go to work, non-negotiable appointment. And my non-negotiable appointments are my infrared saunas and my float sessions. And now my family is like, go float, bye, goodbye. <laughs> You'll be better when you come back. Yes. My voice literally drops an octave when I come out of the float tank because I have just, I've put in the fuel, I've put back in what I have spent out. And now I strategically place those appointments because I'm able to take the 30,000 foot view that I wasn't able to take before and look at my appointment book and go, okay, that's going to be a rough, that's going to be kind of tight that week. That's going to be, oh, I'm actually doing a webinar that week. Okay, maybe I should fuel up for that. And so when you do that, when you take the time to do these things, you have more to give and you have more, and then you have clarity of thought. You have clarity and you know that no is a complete sentence and no is actually saying yes to yourself. Yes. And so these are some of the lessons that I'm learning along with my patients and I have learned. And so I give these tools and then we dive into, okay, so now what are the supplements? What are, what are the prescriptions? What can I do? Because you do need some help. You're depleted. Yeah. But let's do some work on the inside and then we're going to do all this other great work too. And we're going to be able to support and figure out what is right for you. Because like I said, not everybody will be a candidate for hormones, for bioidenticals. It, maybe there's a, a medical history reason why. Maybe they just don't feel comfortable because of all of the buzz in the atmosphere that has been around hormones and they just feel within their heart that this is not for them. And so I never force anybody. I give you all the information so that you can make an informed decision and an informed refusal. Because I think an informed refusal is just as important as an informed decision. That's a great sentence. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Do you run lab work, blood work, specialty testing on your perimenopause and menopause? So someone's listening to this going, okay, maybe I can't see you, but I can go see, I have a, I have a GP or I have an OBGYN or I'm seeing a new functional medicine practitioner. What can I, what do I ask them for? What do I get tested? Oh my goodness. So <laughs> I do both. I do serum and I do urine testing. And I decide when to do both of them after I've talked to the person. And this is where I'll get tagged on social media. Somebody will ask me a question and I'll say, I don't give personal or individualized medical advice because I need to kind of hear your story. I need to know what's going on and I need to know your medical history. But on a whole, just like you said, I do. So for instance, when it comes to serum, I'll do estradiol, estrone, testosterone, free and total. I'll even look at SHBG, which is that sex um, hormone binding globulin. I'll look at progesterone. I'll also look at their liver function. So I'll do like a chem panel so I can see what's going on with the kidneys and the liver because these are the ways that we clear our hormones and making sure that they're up to snuff too. And then I'll also look at like vitamin D because I know vitamin D is really important in hormone metabolism. And so those are some of the basics that I'll do. And if somebody gives me a history of even thyroid issues, then I'll look at their thyroid function tests like free T4, free T3, TSH the antibodies, even reverse T3 at times. It sounds like there's a gut issue as well. And then I'll also look at some of the, the markers where I can look at maybe their adrenals. So those are some of the things that I look at in the serum. Okay. What about glucose and insulin? Oh, yes. Well, I guess they fall under the chem panel. Yes. Glucose does, yeah. Glucose does. I am getting better at getting my fasting insulins because that is another thing that's new to me that I'm really starting to go, oh, you really need to get that because insulin resistance is huge in perimenopause and menopause. And it's usually because there's some underlining pro-inflammatory trigger that has, cast, has tripped that inflammation pathway. And now you're insulin resistance. That's a whole nother conversation. Right? Right. <laughs> so those are some of the things I get. And then before we move on, though, I do want to just say I want listeners to know all the, every hormone and liver marker, or glucose, insulin, 
Nothing is rare, weird, or expensive. Everything she just listed off is a typical, common marker you can ask your practitioner for. They are generally covered by insurance to some degree, generally. There's nothing weirdo about them. So if you write all this whole list down and say to your PCP, OBGYN, whoever, I would like to, I'm 45, I would like to start getting these markers drawn. They should not look at you like you have two heads, hopefully, because these are not crazy markers. Right. And I'm glad you said that because if you go in asking for specific tests, you will more likely get more headway that way than just going in and saying, can you test my hormones? Yes. (laughs) Something's wrong. And can you just test my hormones? Oh my gosh. Do you know how many hormones are in your body? Or do you know how many times they'll go? Sure. And you'll get a very basic. Exactly. Not even hormones. CBC, which is a complete blood count. Where having lists and being very specific, then they know that you're looking like they go, oh, they know a little something. Okay. Okay. And so, yes, I love that you said write down this list because when you have specific tests, then they can go, oh, okay. That's um, yeah, sure. I can order that. Sure. I can order that. No problem. Now the urine test that I do, the dried urine test that I do, this one is very different. A lot of practitioners do not do this. I do the Dutch test and I do either the Dutch complete or I do Dutch plus depending on if there's insomnia issues. And that one helps me. Usually I'll do that one after I've started them on something. So when I say something, it'll either be a supplement or if they're doing BHRT and I want to see how they're metabolizing and if it's actually getting out of the serum into the cells and the cells are processing and spitting out those metabolites properly. And then I want to make sure that certain pathways that are are associated with these specific hormones are working like they should. Because remember, ladies, I said, a lot of times these micronutrients are deficient as well. And if they are deficient, then these big pathways just can't work right. And so that's what I do for my ladies. Well, you know, I'm completely biased and love the Dutch test having used to be their medical director. (laughs) So I I love that. I love hearing that. Yes. Yes. So I want to finish out on a hormone replacement therapy. Now, I know a lot of women are going, wait, wait, what about supplements? And I think Dr. Lakeisha said it perfectly. Like when social media, like she's a doctor, but not your doctor. So defining like, oh, this supplement magically cures perimenopause. It's harder. You do have to have more of that one-on-one conversation. There are a lot of herbs and nutrients and supplements out there that are very supportive. Research does back a lot of them up, but we don't know unless you're sitting in front of us and we have your whole case history and everything. But what the question we get the most on Mm -hmm. is around hormone replacement therapy. And in particular, as you know, because you just had a wonderful series about it, on Instagram, if you're not following on Instagram, you should, around estrogen, yeah. hormone replacement therapy in particular. Yeah. Yeah. So can you address that can of worms? Oh, <laughs> the pink elephant in the room, right? Yes. <laughs> I feel like I have a very special connection to the WHI study because it came out my first year of residency, like day one, it came out in July of my first year of residency. And residency starts, so our fiscal year goes from July 1 to July the next year. And it came out, I think, around July 7. And I'll never forget, our program director ran into our morning report after she had like gotten this report FedEx to her house and was like, oh my gosh, the study is out. Take everybody off their hormones. It's bad. It's horrible. And I, we're doctors. We, I do have the MD behind my name, but the other two... <laughs> residents, first year interns, we're looking at each other like, what just happened? Like, (laughs) this sounds serious. And then women were coming into the clinic and were like, take me off of this stuff. I don't know what it does. It's going to cause cancer. It's going to cause cancer. And what happened is, so the WHI study, if I can give just a little bit of snippet what it was, it was a big initiative that a group of people really honestly, and it was a nice brainchild that said, we've never really looked at chronic illnesses in women on a whole scale. And we just kind of know that women don't have heart attacks as frequently as men do when they're in their reproductive years. Their risk kind of goes up after they stop having babies. What is it? It's more than likely this protective effect from estrogen, blah, blah, blah. So 
is about 40 different clinics that got that came together and they were like, okay, we're going to do this study. And the study had several components to it. And this is where things got muddy because we weren't able to say, oh, they actually had a lifestyle part of the study. They actually had a component of the study that looked at how it affected um, bone health and how it affected your cardiovascular system and how would this be protective? And unfortunately, not unfortunately, but they've had a huge sample size. I mean, it was in the hundreds of thousands of women that were in this study and it was supposed to go for eight years. But at five years, they started seeing some outcomes that were very, very concerning. And so they had to stop it. They had to stop a portion of it. They stopped the hormone side of things. They've still continued the other parts of that study. And I think the conclusions will come up in 2024. I think they've gotten an extension till then. But the hormone side of it started showing something. And a couple things, the age of the women was so vast that were in the pop, in the sample, one. The other thing, they were using synthetic hormones. And synthetic hormones come from chemical type of resources. For instance, the estrogen was from horse urine. Pregnant ones. <laughs> horse urine. Pregnant horse mares. Equine, conjugated equine estrogen. And they took that and they put it with a synthetic progestin or progesterone, hydroxyprogesterone. And they said, okay, let's see if you have a uterus. We know that we have to protect the uterus with progesterone. We'll give you estrogen and progesterone. You go over here. And if you walk in the door and you say, well, I've already had a hysterectomy. Okay, yes, you go over here because you don't have a uterus. We don't have to protect the uterus with the progesterone. You go on this side. So it was a randomized trial is what it's called. So they randomized you according to some criteria. You go here, you go here, you go here. And what they wanted to see was, can we prevent heart attack stroke? Can we help with osteoporosis? Can we make the bones stronger? And then they were saying, hey, what are other lifestyle things that we can do? And so that was another part of the study. And what happened is that breast cancer, I think, was one of those things that came out. And at yeah. first, women, they thought it was a big increase in breast cancer. Well, breast cancer is significant. And so any one person having a diagnosis of breast cancer is crucial. And what they saw was that it was actually eight per 10,000 persons that was the increase. So it wasn't statistically significant, really, but it was breast cancer. And it was breast cancer in the combination side, the estrogen progesterone side. Progestin. Progestin, yes. Yep. Progestin side. And so they were like, whoa, we have to stop that. And then when they looked at the estrogen side, they were like, oh, we think that we have something over here. Well, a couple things they saw. There was an increased risk in like strokes and blood clots. <laughs> so it was like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? But there seemed to be a protective measure when you had estrogen, when it came to breast cancer. And it also helped with colorectal cancer, decreasing that risk. So there were so many different data points that were coming out. And unfortunately, we didn't do a great job of saying, oh, wait just a second. Let's unpack this and say what this all means. For one, if you're in that perimenopausal stage, you weren't studied in this study. So women were 50 and up to about 72 in the study. You weren't in the study. Yeah, wasn't the average age in the 60s? Yes, the average age yeah. was 63. So it was like, okay, what's going on, right? Right. And then the other thing was that now there are these bioidentical hormones that come from natural resources or natural sources that look just like what your body used to make and knows what to do with them. In my series, I call them the little children, the metabolites. <laughs> and these metabolites can be really, really bad or they can be the good ones and the body goes, oh, I know what to do with these. So I can use the liver and I can use the kidneys and I can help get these cleared because you have good liver health, you have good kidney health. Okay, good. Let's get all this stuff out. Let's let what needs to be used, used. And then the things that don't need to be used, get out of here before you start causing trouble because right. it's the metabolites that cause the DNA damage and the trouble and that increased risk of cancer risk. 
So that's kind of the WHI study in uh, kind of compressed. <laughs> and so what has happened is people have taken that and snippets of it and extrapolated it and said, okay, it's either all bad and nobody should get any type of hormone therapy. Then there was this little subset that came out, even in the College of Obstetrics and Gynecology that said, okay, because the other thing that they didn't realize what was happening is that women's symptoms were getting better, like their hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, because that wasn't a primary outcome that they were looking for. And so they said, okay, if you have these symptoms, we'll give you a low dose for a short amount of time, but you can only be on it for a short amount of time. And then they would take them off. And then the women have these, they're back to hot flashing, not sleeping. And so this is where you'll start hearing, even physicians will say, okay, no, I don't know. I don't want you on this for too long. Maybe five years, that's it. And what I'm finding is that in the literature, we're seeing study, we're seeing reviews done, not review, we're seeing meta-analysis done of studies that have been conducted over the years. And they're not seeing any increased risk of the bad things that were happening with the synthetic hormones. So in my humble opinion, this is just my humble opinion, y'all. Don't go out here saying Dr. Lakeisha said, this is what we have to do. I believe that if you do take bioidenticals or it's something that is an option for you, it's going to be almost like your supplement, like a tool that you'll be on these decades that we're talking about because the brain health that has come out, the estrogen talking about how it's helping to decrease dementia and how protective that is. So brain health protection, testosterone even has, and estrogen have breast health protection. And now we're talking about colorectal health protection. And these are all these, the, you know, your risks start going up as you get older. And I'm saying, doesn't anybody see that as we get older, these hormones start going down? And so, hello, so you don't want your risk to go up. Why don't we keep some on board? And I'm not saying slam you with hormones. I'm saying do it and be customized about it so that you can feel good and we can manage and monitor and make sure through blood work, symptoms, and Dutch urine test, however you want to do it to make sure that your body is still metabolizing correctly and processing them the way that it should be done. And I, my humble opinion is the same as Dr. Lakeisha. And I have, just like her, I have definitely dove into the WHI, the Women's Health Initiative, and the studies that have come out since then that sadly have not made the news yes. very much, right? Retracting things, yes. finding out what they had said originally turned out not to be true. Some reevaluations of the meta-analysis, they were like, yes. yeah. I mean, for lack of a better word, oopsies. Right. <laughs> Sorry, right. Right. Sorry, women. Right. And again, we both completely agree. Hormone replacement therapy is not right for everybody. Like it is individualized, customized, as she said, but Yes. Yes to that. Yes to that. And I also agree because of the studies on brain and bone, et cetera, you, most women will probably be on it longer than five years. They probably will be on it a few decades because once you stop, you lose. You yes. lose that protection. You lose that benefit. Yes. And so definitely something to talk with your practitioner about. And as my more functional oncology colleagues tell me, cancer, which of course breast can't, I understand breast cancer is a very hot, spicy topic for sure, a very serious topic. But the act of having cancer, you can't pin it on one thing. It's not like have estrogen, get breast cancer, right? So my functional oncology colleagues, I am not an oncologist at all. I don't even pretend to play one on TV. But my colleagues right here tell me, they're like, gosh, it's such a multitude of things that brings on cancer. It's the environment that the tissue is in. It is the toxins in our environment. It is a smidgen of genetics. It is the metabolites that Dr. Lakeisha mentioned and, and, and. So right. I understand when somebody with breast cancer says estrogen, estrogen did this to me. And it's, mm. but at the same time, I'm like, well, actually what was going on in the tissue, right? So what was the, to make that, you know, why did the weed grow? Like what was happening? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's almost like what else made the perfect storm? 
Yes. Yes. I like that way better. Let's say that. Yeah. yeah. What, <laughs> what else contributed to this hurricane coming together yes. and creating like this nice little eye? And now it was a major, major. Story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I love this. Well, as we wrap up last thing, this is the Root Cause Medicine podcast. I'm all about practical and tactical. Those listening with perimenopause and menopause, what is like your one or two favorite things you seem to tell your patients over and over that listeners can take away with and feel empowered and feel proactive today around their transition? Oh, I love this one because I'm always (laughs) giving them this one. I tell, so two things I say to my ladies, because a lot of them are high powered, high functioning. They want the list and they want to do everything on the list. I say, pick one thing. No, (laughs) I don't want to. One. (laughs) I said, pick one. I saw when I'm in the videos with them, I see you, I see you. And I see it in your eyes and you're, (laughs) you're like about to get overwhelmed and just shut down and one thing. So what do I mean by that? So January, February, I was working on a major project and it was just getting really crazy in our household. And my husband usually is the one that does the cooking. I mean, like he, I'm blessed. I know, I know I'm blessed. Okay. He's God's favorite, apparently. Okay. (laughs) I can cook. I can cook. My family loves, you know, but that's just not my thing. That's like his thing. And there was a lot going on with both of us outside the house and, you know, trying to do all the things. And so we started eating out a whole lot. Like it was just really crazy amount. And I remember going over our budget in in February for January. And I was like, we did what? I was like, because we have the little, we have this little app and even our financial guy was like, excuse me, you, what what are y'all doing? (laughs) And I was like, okay, so see, this is what happened. Right. And he was like, okay, I want y'all to find a home meal delivery service. And I think he says, y'all are both busy professionals. And your kids are at the age now, they can, they could do that if they basically, if we had something in place. And so we picked, we picked a service and it was the best decision. It's only for dinner, but that one thing has had a domino effect on so many other areas. That's why I say pick one thing, because you'll start doing other things that will be complementary to that one thing. So if it is, I have trouble getting to sleep or I just can't see, I start piddling and doing the piddle thing. Get a bedtime routine. We used to do that for your kids probably. You know, it's like book end your day. Do something that says to the brain, it's time to turn this off and land the plane. If it is, I need to get out and walk more. I need to exercise more. I'm not saying go to the gym and get a gym membership. I'm saying maybe just walk outside your house. One, pick the one thing. And then number two, I say, here's one thing you can do to do some restorative practices. And it's breath work. Mm. Love breath work because there's studies showing how it rewires the brain and everything kind of starts here and trickles down, right? Because the conductor of the orchestra is what I call it, is here and make sure everybody is listening and plays right. And so I teach, depending on who you are, if you comfortable with whichever type of breath work. I teach alternate nostril breathing. I love that because I can do it in between patients and it literally drops your shoulders. You can do four by four breathing or box breathing. That's what some people call it or soft belly breathing where you just put your hand on the soft part of your belly, breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth on the word soft belly. And you can do that either as soon as you wake up. I really teach breath work to my ladies who wake up and they go from zero to 60 as soon as they wake up and they go, (gasps) am I ready? Which is so common. Right. So you wake up and either you'll do alternate nostril breathing where you take your hand, you take your thumb and your index finger and you close off one nostril, breathe in, you close off the other, breathe out through that one and then breathe in, close it off, breathe out. Or I'll teach them the box breathing, which is you breathe in on a count, you hold it for a count, and then you breathe out for a count and you hold it out for a count. So that's why it's called four by four, because you're doing four types of different actions. And so those are actionable things that you can do. So pick one thing, don't do all the things, pick one thing, and then 
take some something when it comes to breath work because I believe because we breathe shallow. A lot of us are breathing from here and we're not breathing from the diaphragm deep, which stimulates that vagus nerve, which helps to rewire the brain and us go, you know, just to do that, I just doing that right now, my shoulders were like, Ooh, oh, okay. Helps not wear our shoulders as earrings. Yes. <laughs> And now help. I got them. I got them. But yes, absolutely. Those are things I give my ladies. And the reason I love box breathing that you talk about it so much is that it's free and accessible. Yes. Right? Like it doesn't require a whole lot of time. It doesn't require a lot of effort. It doesn't require finances. And it sort of hits all the boxes for a lot of people right now in this day and age. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, everyone, I hope you understand why I love her so much and could talk to her for hours and hours. Where can everyone find you? And well, first before, if you are listening to this, then I'm so sorry, you can't see the visual for if you're on audio, but we both have our matching Dr. Lakeisha mugs that we've been drinking out of today. I use it all the time. And I have her book propped up behind me, The Other PMS, because it's the greatest title ever about perimenopause and menopause. So tell everyone all the things. Where can they find you? Tell them about Hormone Hotties. Tell them about your book. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much. I am on all social media platforms at Dr. Lakeisha MD. That's D-R-L-A-K-E-I-S-C-H-A-M-D. Yes, my parents used all the letters. (laughs) So that's on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's where I am. So at Dr. Lakeisha MD. You can purchase my book and purchase an autographed copy of my book if you go to theotherpms.net and I will autograph that for you. Yes, you can get it off of Amazon, but if you want it autographed, then go to theotherpms.net. And I am hosting a series of webinars. I just did one last Saturday night. I think it was last Saturday night. And so the one for April that's coming up and just continue to look out for them. And they are, the seminar is common hormone disruptors and what you can do to get the real you back. And so the next one is going to be April the 23rd. You can go to hormonehotties.com to register. And then you can find Hormone Hotties, a Facebook group. And that's where I see my VIP ladies. And we have a ball over there. As you can imagine. I think those are all the things. I think those are all the things. I love it. And that's H-O-T-T-I-E-S. Yes. Yes. Hotties. Yes. Hormone hotties. I love it. Well, this has been fantastic as usual. It is such an important conversation. I think all listeners, everyone listening needs to know about perimenopause and menopause. Everybody has somebody in their life going through it, about to go through it. They're going through it themselves. So thank you. Thank you for being on the Root Cause Medicine podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.